You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. I'm at the Southbank Centre now for the WOW Festival. I'm just milling around before I kind of join some of the events later on today. And as I'm milling around, I'm spotting anybody who's got a child here today to invite them on to say a little bit about their experiences of work and parenthood um, in the context of being here at the Southbank for the WOW Festival. Um, so I'm going to say hello to Artie. Um, so Artie, would you like to say hello to our listeners, introduce yourself, what you do for a living, that type of thing. Hi everybody, my name's Artie, I am a dentist based in South London and I am a mum of a one-year-old who is currently running around the Southbank Centre. <laughs> well he looks very, very happy and thank you so much for agreeing to come on mic for a little bit today. Can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day decision-making around childcare? How are you juggling and managing that at the moment? So majority of the childcare is very much on me. Um, and I'm the one that then organises if I'm not at home where where my kid will be and it's just been the biggest juggling act ever because childcare, like good childcare is so expensive I only work two days a week but I want to work more but then I have to deal with if I want to work more is there a nursery available with space my current nursery has a one year waiting list for any more days it's like the most extortionate thing so this month I paid a third of my income for him to go to nursery um, because I took a week's holiday and I'm self-employed so I didn't didn't work for one week out of a month so that's a third of my income gone just so that my kids can have childcare and I I just don't know how it's sustainable at all I, I can't work more because I can't get more nursery days but then I can't earn more money so then what do I do? Oh, I think it's a massive conundrum for a lot of people. And I think there's recent data, and I'm going to go to the childcare session this afternoon with WOW. And I think for, for some people, it's up to 80% of their take-home salary that they're spending on childcare. So you said a lot of this is on you to organise and, and juggle, but you are here today with your partner. Are you happy to say a little bit about like yeah. kind of just juggling between you? and yeah? So he's been incredibly helpful, but he um, runs his own company and works more than full time so he'll routinely be up at six and won't be home until maybe 10 at night and so it is on me to do the breakfast the lunch the dinner the put him to bed and alongside that try and do my own stuff so try and go to work and I'm studying for a diploma for study for that and it's that's obviously the way that we've chosen to set up our lives but if I could get affordable help I could be something other than just a mum, which would be really nice. And are there conversations in the dentistry circles about kind of working parents and, you know, just support for them? Or do you feel this is very much just something you're tackling alone? Like, how, how do you feel? It's, it's, I think it's not even just dentistry. I think it's a UK issue. Um, majority of my friends are in a similar position to me. We all kind of work part-time and have childcare or family help to raise our kids and none of us want to give up our careers for childcare but then you take an income hit by working part-time and it just is how do you manage everything um, by taking the income hit are you still gonna be able to pay your mortgage are you still gonna be able to pay your bills when the cost of everything is going up so my nursery sent an email out two weeks ago saying that they're raising their prices and nursery is now costing me 1200 pounds like that's an incredible amount of money to then only be have my kid taking care of a couple of days a week yeah. um 
and you wouldn't expect that to be the case like you would should want mums in the workplace we can give so much more back to society we can pay more tax the country could be in a better place like if you would make our lives easier I would then be able to do more and give more but I can't and you know I'm in service precision I'm doing healthcare every day I would I love my job I want to do more of it but what can I do how do I make it work I can't so I'm home more than I'm working it just is what it is and Artie I think that's painted such a good picture of a a scenario that lots of people are in at the moment so the economic economic argument that you put forward there you know we could be earning more paying more tax like what's your ask then to government what would you so I think from a dentistry specific point of view there's been loads of stuff in the media about how there aren't enough dentists the majority of dentists in the UK are female so I think it's a 64 no I think it's about 70-30% female to male split and it's because it's a really helpful career with with kids you can choose to work part time you can choose not but if we want to work more and we can't have someone to help us take care of our kids or if it's not cost effective to do that it's cheaper for me to be at home than it is for me to go to work at the moment and that shouldn't be the case I should be like I, I do feel like they, there should be more support, more help, better, there should be something better than this tax-free childcare for an under one-year-old. Like, how is that a sustainable solution? And if the government are in a financial crisis that they are, if they want more dentists in a workforce to serve a population, they need to make some concessions. Brilliant. Thank you, Artie. It's so interesting to hear. And as I mentioned earlier, I do have a few friends who are dentists. Their kids are a bit older now. And I think you know they're still paying for various types of after-school childcare. it's not gone completely but I do think it's getting worse and worse like if you're just off maternity leave or just about to go on maternity leave I think the costs have risen so that it's even more of a crisis now than it was for me when I started my motherhood journey nine years ago so yeah thank you for speaking to us Artie and keep in touch with Mother of All Solutions and have a great day. My pleasure thank you for having me. So I've just finished talking to Artie, the dentist, about her situation with childcare, and I've found a willing couple to talk to me today. So I'm going to introduce Steve and Ellen. So I'm going to initially ask Steve to introduce their family situation and and just say hi to listeners here. Hi, I'm Steve. Uh, We're with Rafi here, our daughter, who's almost 10 months old. Um, And so uh, I work as a writer and Ellen uh, works as a coder but also as a writer so i'm going to ask ellen a little bit about what childcare you use or if any tell me a little bit about that then ellen um so rafi's been going to nursery three mornings a week for the last two months uh that's just because i do uh, i have a job as a software engineer but i have been doing some freelance writing script writing work so i was focusing on getting that done and also because she's going to go to a nursery about four days a week eventually we wanted her to get used to it so it wasn't such a shock for me going back to work and such a shock for her suddenly being looked after by other people so that's the situation at the moment and uh, she really seems to enjoy it Um, to start off with she was quite upset and she wasn't eating but I think as she's realized that you know we're picking her up and that everyone at the nursery is so lovely that she's kind of really adapted to it and she's so sociable so yeah she she's really enjoying it that's great so it's all going well in terms of her and settling what about things and issues around availability was it quite easy to find that place initially Steve I maybe ask you about that and then maybe 
if you'd like to talk, if you're happy to talk about costs and how you found that. So, Steve, I'll take the availability bit to you. Okay. Yeah. No. We uh, we'd heard from friends who live in the area near us how, uh, how busy the nursery was getting. So we actually booked. I'm going to say three months into knowing Ellen was pregnant. So. So yes, and when we asked the woman at the nursery if we were the earliest, she said some people pee on a stick and come the next day. So yeah. You're the earliest I've heard of. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> Great. Okay, so you were super organised. Um, you were obviously feeling quite settled where you were living then to commit to nursery place there and then. Um, you're obviously an organised couple then. Um, <laughs> what about the cost side of it, Ellen? Has that surprised you in any way or how, how are you managing? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really expensive. And also we recently in the last week, the prices went up 20%. So um, it, it is a big chunk of our income and it does make you question how many days a week I should be working. Um, so yeah, I do, I do feel very much like we've had to tighten our strings and we've been doing a lot more looking at finances and spreadsheets and how we can afford it. And at the same time, I don't, I, I would like to go further in my careers, both of them. So I also, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a careful balance. I want to be a good mum and I also want to fulfill my passions, ambitions and I think balancing all those things is just really difficult. I mean, who knows if we'll be able to afford another child? Probably not. Um, and it's only going to get more expensive. So yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very, very tricky. I mean, it's my, so my kids are nine and four and all those issues around balancing and choice and guilt and all those things were very much there for me but I do believe the costs have risen so much so I really feel for you guys um, sort of juggling that and part-time for now but as you say you want to increase those hours um, is there anything else you want you want to say about the situation some of the things maybe the nursery providers have been sharing with you do, do you think they're feeling the pinch at, you know are they feeling guilty at putting the costs up is have they explained that to you as the users of the service I think um, we talk to a lot of the other parents at the nursery and I feel like we all understand that the cost of living has gone up and heating the place must be costing a fortune. So I think everyone's more concerned that the money's going to the, the right things and everyone loves the nursery workers there. So we all just, we, we've been asking for breakdowns of basically where the costs are going to because we want to make sure that everyone's kind of compensated fairly because they do, they, they do such a good job uh, and the nursery's got such a good reputation so I, I think we're very lucky in some ways that we do have a nursery that we absolutely love and we we feel it makes sense that is 20% rise but at the same time I feel like there is this motherhood penalty which isn't getting better and you just hope that like with the next budget that they do think about childcare costs for children under two so that there is some way for it to be more affordable for people who just want to do the best for their children best for your children and best for for yourself as well it's it's um it is a big deal and i hope yes i hope we're listened to so thank you so much for for coming on mike today um, have a good rest of your day at the south bank festival well i'm now sat with avril and her daughter Maeve, and we're just going to have a little chat about avril's work and motherhood situation um so hi to avril hi hello um, Avril, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what you do for a living and how old Maeve is and just what you do for childcare as well? Uh, this is Maeve. She's just about one. I uh, Well, she's just, pa- just had her first birthday. She's my second child. I also have a five-year-old. 
So I have two lots of childcare to deal with. I work full time at a university, but I work from home an awful lot, which is a good thing because while I have full time childcare and my childminder is the best thing that ever happened to me, better than having children, <laughs> um, she makes it work. She, you know, kids are sick constantly. Yes. And no one covers that. Yeah. No one covers that. So that is where I work, my child situation and my childcare situation. Oh, I'm also, which is a very important category, an immigrant. I have no support. I have my husband. We're the only people here. We have no family. We have no grannies. We have no granddads or cousins or sisters to call on. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, when they're sick, I just like to say, I just, I'd, I'd kill for a granny. Yeah. Just would. Just, is anybody going to come and help us? And Avril, you said you use a childminder and yes. much respect to childminders out there. We've also had some really good ones in the past. So your five-year-old is in reception class, is that right? He's in reception and he goes to, he, my childminder will still take him for after school. And she picks them up and takes them to school and takes them home from them and picks them up from school then as well. So we have a really, really good wraparound care system. We are extremely fortunate. We know others who are doing much more juggle. And what people don't realize is that actually the early years are the easy bits. Once it gets to school is when the nightmare starts of who's going to cover half term? We can't take leave at half term. Uh, who's going to cover uh, after school? before school if you need to be in for nine o'clock all those sorts of things and so school years are hard and he's going to age out of that really soon and i'm not sure what we're going to do yeah the pressures are definitely different i mean the costs might get better i know you've still got a one-year-old so you're still in like full-time costs for her two grand a month between the two of them and we pay less than some of the people that we know it's too much pay my childminder twice that much if I could you know because she's, she's amazing so I would be willing I would like her to be paid more just me to pay less yes. so yes. that's that's the thing that's fair <laughs> um, but yeah I know that the holiday juggle is immense I'm you know you finish one half term like February half term's just gone and then, and then you're planning for Easter I'm already I mean I don't know how much life admin I've done trying to work out and my son's four and he's very in between he's not old enough for holiday clubs but he's not young enough to go back to his nursery provider even if yep. they would have them I go to work I come home I uh, we take care of them and we do the absolutely mental five to eight run of you know dinner and baths and mm, allegedly tidying up maybe yeah. trying to eat occasionally then you have your dinner and you watch half an hour of television and then you go to bed and she wakes up every hour so I do the night shift too well, thank you, Avril, for talking to me and May for being a good girl. Um, maybe more good girl time at night time as well. So I'm about to go into the childcare session at the WOW Festival and found another mum to talk to, actually a friend of mine. So um, I'm going to introduce Gwen and ask her to tell us a little bit about herself and her family. Hi, Gwen. Hi, Laura. Um, my name's Gwen Webber. I have been an architecture program manager for the last uh, six years, seven years, in an arts organisation. And I am a mother of three children, a four-year-old boy and twin boy and girl, uh, who are 18 months old. Yeah, and here they are with us, right? We'll probably hear them on the mic as well in the background. So Gwen, you're coming into the childcare session today at WOW as well. Um, what are your thoughts and feelings on your current childcare situation? Where are things at with you? You've introduced your family. Tell us a little bit more about the 
the process, the juggle, the logistics of that? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm um, currently unemployed, having been made redundant. Um, and as of two weeks ago, I'm doing full-time childcare for my twins, uh, while my son is in full-time nursery. And it's really quite tough. It wasn't the life I expected to be leading. Uh, maybe every parent can say that, but um, I really hadn't pictured me being out of work. Um, so I've had to come to terms with lots of things about my, you know, dealing with my self-esteem, dealing with motivation, dealing with what is it that I want out of life, career choices, etc. And trying to look at the long game and what gain it is for me and my family, for me not to be working, spending that time with my children, which I have to say everybody tells me I should be in, enjoying and really embracing and getting involved with um, wholeheartedly and positively. But it's, it's, it's sort of more than that, isn't it, with kids? Is there's a lot of other challenges in your day. There's sort of stimulation on other levels that you you kind of get desperate for by about 3 p.m. Um, but that's not to say that I I want it any other way. I just am trying to deal with a situation I felt was I wasn't planning on, and that has a lot to do with the fact that my partner and I, who were very good earners, my partner is still a good earner. Uh, we can't afford childcare uh, in London right now. Um, as it stands, so we've had to make difficult choices. Um, and one of them is that I, I am the full-time childcare provider for our twins. Well, there's a lot going on there, Gwen. There's a lot going on, Laura. <laughs> a more experienced interviewer would be like, right, I know where to get into this. <laughs> well, firstly, you know you're awesome, right? Thank you. So that self-esteem point, Thank you. get it back up there. <laughs> but you don't have the flex in the time now because childcare is so expensive to find yeah. out what's next for you you said about looking at the long term right how yeah. do you plan and prepare yeah. and think about the long term yeah. when you can't afford childcare yeah so you're now just your head is just so yeah. busy yeah in the here and now yeah of three little kids yeah. they are little yeah how do you get that headspace and I think that's where the missing link of like trying to support people in workplaces mm. It's never as straightforward as like, I just know exactly who I am, what yeah. I'm doing, the here and now. That's true. So, well, I would say on that point, community, I know it's a bit of a buzzword, a bit of an easy one to chuck around right now, but uh, we rely heavily on friends. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm looking across at at least two other friends who are looking after my kids, reading books, running around, chasing them, dancing with them. And I 100% trust those people. And you, Laura, I'd do the same if you weren't standing here with the mic. Um, and I think that that is something that also, you know, it's born out of necessity, but it's something that I would like to see supported more properly and in policy around how the informal structures of childcare work, but also family life and family without kids. You know, I'm not saying that all my friends here have children. In fact, probably 50% don't. And they still are involved in our life in bringing up our children. And it does take a village. And I do think that there's some structures, again, they're informal and they're not supported properly. Um, and that's what I'd like to see happen long term. And I wonder if I maybe talk to me in a few months and see if I've, I've done a bit more around that campaigning, advocating, something to change what's currently going on where it shouldn't be a desperate measure to look after your kids. It should be a very positive, proactive choice of joining people into their lives where you don't feel pressured to work or not work, but it's a different conversation. I'm, I, to be honest, I'm just a bit tired of this, that same conversation of... Gwen, I think you're going to do amazing stuff on that. No, 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 no. If someone's going to do it, you're going to do it. And, you know, before I said you're awesome, I'm going to say now your friends are awesome. Um, and, of course, your kids are awesome. So I, I wish 
everything good to your family, your village, and I really look forward to knowing what you're going to do next and Thanks make that Laura. better for other people as well. The panel discussion, the case for free childcare, has now finished. Um, so I've got the, the pleasure to talk to Catherine Mayer, who chaired the panel discussion, and Hannah Pika, who was on the panel. Um, I have actually spoken with them both before following a WOW panel discussion about childcare three years ago. So the topic is uh, not gone away and is more present than ever in, in people's lives. So firstly, um, I'll come to you, Catherine, if that's all right, because you were chairing today. Um, would you be happy to give just like a quick summary of what you felt um, was the purpose of the panel and then also some thoughts on key things to, to take away and for listeners to know who maybe couldn't attend in person themselves? Yes, uh, with pleasure. One of the things about this panel that there wasn't really time to talk about was the fact that you had on the panel Hannah, who you're about to talk to, you had Sabina Akhtar, you had Charmaine Lovegrove, you had Jolie Brearley, you had Stella Creasy. These are all women who come from different backgrounds, different political traditions, in some cases different party affiliations, and yet all are agreed that the most important thing to see change on and um, to see also in manifestos in uh, the upcoming general election is universal free childcare. That the uh, lack of uh, affordable childcare, that the undervaluing of the whole care sector is absolutely crippling and is a, an own goal as well as being a huge retardant to gender equality. So it was great having that conversation and it was also the kind of conversation that I wish that we saw on mainstream media, on broadcast media, because broadcast media when they discuss these issues always think that they have to do it by creating a punch up. So usually what they will do is they'll have somebody there who can speak as articulately and fluently as these women did about their own personal experiences but also to then take those insights and apply that to what the world could look like if these problems were fixed and how great that would be for everyone and they will put women like this up against people who are denialists people who will either say that it's too expensive or who minimize the problem or even more so in this weird culture war world that we live in people who say that women should anyway be looking after children and going back into the kitchen so this was a glorious discussion and the only problem with it was too little time always too little time Catherine but thank you for summarizing that so perfectly and yeah there was definitely no culture war everyone was like on the same page and um, so coming to you Hannah now Hannah you started the panel after Catherine introduced everyone with a big fat scream <laughs> um, now do you want to uh, I don't know maybe fat's not the right word a big <laughs> scream um, would you like to set the scene for why you were doing that from like a personal and a work perspective so yeah over to you yeah I mean it was it was sort of something that came from backstage uh, I think Stella did the initial scream backstage and uh, you know but also Sabina had said to me just before we went on all you know I'm really exhausted so if I start to lose my way when I'm, I'm talking like will you help me out and I just thought all of the people going out uh, <laughs> to have this discussion are will have you know been up 
uh, in the night will be dealing with I think one of them was dealing with a poorly child or just you know exhausted and so it was a chance to kind of express both that very personal feeling but also the, the feeling that this this is so fixable um, why are we still here discussing it why aren't there a different configuration of people in the room listening um, it, 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 there is no coherent argument for not having universal uh, free early years education um, and I, I would you know I just it sort of sometimes has the effect of making you want to bang your head against the wall and have to keep making the same points but I agree w with Catherine and I think it was extremely hopeful and I also think we are at this tipping point um, with regard to this issue and I, I hope that you know the job of the Women's Equality Party at this point is to create a bidding war between Labour and the Conservatives so that, you know, so that they're out trying to outdo each other on their offers. Um, uh, because this has become, after many years of campaigning by a very many people, um, such as Jolie, um, this is, we've got to the point where it has a political pressure to it. However, we can't be complacent because that political pressure has existed before and hasn't ma manifested in the, in the policy we need or the funding that we need. Um, and also uh, p partly because this relies on, a gr you know, they're relying on the fact that the p people most acutely affected or directly immediately affected by this are right now hanging on by their fingertips, um, are time and uh, cash poor and are unlikely to be in a position, you know, that makes activism very easy. <laughs> so um, so it's about how we find ways for parents um, who are currently in that childcare squeeze position, for practitioners who are really, really struggling, um, and for parents who have children at school and are struggling with wraparound, and for people beyond that, like Catherine spoke to the, the impact it's had on her um, being uh, child-free. Um, but nonetheless um, experiencing some of the discrimination that comes um, from expectations around childcare. We need this to be a moment of unity where everybody turns out to really put the pressure on. And I think you were asked at the end by a member of the audience, you know, what actions should we be doing after this panel? And I think you said, you know, talk to your childcare practitioners, find out their experiences. It's like, you know, two-sided, um, but also to like make a note that this is what we are demanding and remember that. The one other thing I wanted to say about this panel is, of course, that um, Charmaine was talking about the situation in Germany where she lives. I, as a journalist, covered German politics and I saw when Angela Merkel came to power that she was in this incredibly patriarchal society, much more formally so actually than the UK in many, many ways. And she wanted to make change on these things, but she also knew that her political capital was very limited indeed at that time. And she appointed as her Minister for Women um, Ursula von der Leyen, who nowadays is, of course, the, at the European Commission. And she has eight children, so Germans mistook her for being a kind of traditionalist. And between the two of them, they, they performed this incredible sleight of hand where they basically managed to start reforming the childcare system in Germany. And the reason I wanted to say this, and again, it's because of you know one of the reasons that I co-founded the Women's Equality Party, is representation does matter. Angela Merkel, child-free like me, Ursula von der Leyen, eight children. The thing is, we can all see this isn't just about 
it's very important whether people can afford childcare within their own families, but it's also about the social and economic transformation that comes with a properly funded, properly accessible childcare system. Yeah, and as Shemaine highlighted from her personal experience, um, she was paying, what, 40 euros a month for childcare and the UK... Uh, parents in the audience were like thinking what <laughs> that's not I pay more than that per day you know it's it, just yeah it, it was it, it's even more extreme than that because she was getting um, a subvention from the government to support her three children and she was paying only 50 euros in total back for her three children to get early years education I think I must have missed that because I was running around after Hannah's children at that bit so <laughs> No, it was it was my pleasure, Hannah. Hannah, do you want to make a closing remark as well? There. Yeah, I was just going to add to what Catherine said. That, that representation piece is really important. We've and I want this to be a story of possibility. Huge shifts are happening right now in Ireland in relation to this issue, um, and part of the reason that was possible that it happened is because they have a minister for children, and they have a department for children which looks at that in a holistic way, children and young people. And that allowed them, they stepped up in the pandemic um, to look at how they prevented the earlier sector from going under. And this was, you know, to sort of Stella's point of, uh, and Jolie's as well, of like, there can be, a, there is an element of complexity to this. There, there is definitely. But once they had started to put it in train and ask what, what, what childcare in their country should look like, they didn't want to go back from that point of investment. So we have to get the government or the next government to a point where it invests enough so as not to want to return uh, and people have an expectation about it. And I think that will change everything. Yeah. Well, thank you. thank you. We will watch this space with positivity, right? This is what we've got to be hopeful on this. Thank you so much for, for talking to me and um, hopefully see you at WOW next year. See you there. <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the episode, the WOW special on childcare. I really hope you've um, enjoyed hearing what everyone's had to share and I really appreciate everyone taking the time to talk with me. So if you are a contributor, extra thanks. Um, and if you have enjoyed the episode, there are past episodes of Mother of All Solutions on your favoured podcast platform. Do listen back. Um, there are past episodes from other WOW festivals or many, many other episodes in which we talk about childcare, it, it always seems to come up in the conversation. So I hope you enjoy having a listen through the archive. And if you do want to keep in touch, um, you can connect with me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram as at Solutions Mother. And do subscribe for future episodes. And if you can take the time to rate and review, that would be much appreciated. As an independent podcaster, just doing this between work and motherhood, um, any help and support um, would be much appreciated. So yeah, do, do share with, with other people, with your friends who you think would like to hear as well. So thank you. Um, and perhaps next year, if I record a WOW Festival episode, it can be on some of the more joyful aspects of, of childcare. You know, as Gwen suggested, talking about the networks and the people that are involved in doing that. And for me, talking about the spaces and places and how we make that the best for our kids would be really nice to see. So yeah, who knows what situation. Um, I said at the end, we have to stay hopeful. So as childcare is being, you know, looked at, debated, 
and um, perhaps we'll have you know some better news for next year and some different topics for discussion and thank you to wow for for letting me record at the south bank center on the 11th of march so yeah thanks again um keep in touch and take care of yourselves take care of your family and you know lots of the best of everything to you all okay bye